Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the Leadership Development Podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. Welcome to the first ever Aspire Podcast mailbag episode with my good friend and COO and co-creator of the Teach Better team, Jeff Gargas. Jeff, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thanks for having me on. I didn't realize this was the first ever. So like, that's yeah. awesome. So pretty pumped about that. No pressure. Yeah. I mean, I was already pumped up, but now I'm like pumped and severely nervous. So that's great. For those who do not know the setup for the mailbag episode, we asked folks on Twitter and Instagram for leadership questions. And we're just going to spend a few minutes answering those questions. And I mean, we just shot that out not too long ago. I, I got five questions through Twitter and Instagram. So I'm pretty pumped by these questions and we're going to give some shout outs too. So if you're if you're ready, Jeff, I'm gonna start I'm, with the first one. I'm ready. Let's let's do this. Awesome, man. All right. So number one, it was Phil Strunk, and he was an attendee and speaker at Teach Better 19. Yeah, good guy. He's awesome, and you can follow him on Twitter at Mr. P Strunk. And his question is, when in education do we draw the line? What is delegated versus what leaders handle? Mm. The big question. That's a good question. I think that extends beyond just education. That's a question that every every leader in any industry comes across and wonders, I think, and struggles with as well. The key to that is self-awareness of what you are, your strengths are, what you are good at, what you love, what you, what you can handle, and then awareness and understanding of your team and knowing the team that you have, the leadership team and then beyond, and knowing where their strengths are, where their passions are, where their their interests are, and also where their capacity limits are, Mm -hmm. and then being able to to go from there. I mean, there there are certain things that obviously you have to handle when it comes to you know proving things and organizing certain pieces of your role. But the reality is, the more you can delegate, the more then you can spend time leading and developing and and working with your your team. So Mm -hmm. it's you know it's always a good thing. And when you're delegating, you're also giving other people an opportunity to to step up, take a leadership role, to get get a little taste of what it might be that maybe if they're aspiring to to take on a new role and stuff. So I think trying to get there and delegate is important and it should be looked at and you should do that. But as far as the line, it really, I think it's, I mean, it's really a case by case because I think, I don't know if Phil was asking very specifically regarding like, does this task get delegated? Does this or not? And I think that's probably more potentially at your district level in their requirements or expectations or their comfort level of giving it. But I, but I think if you have someone that's on your team that can handle XYZ task and wants to take it on and has the the skill to and you feel that you can trust them with it or they can build that trust, then I think that opportunity should be given yeah. um, because it's going to be good for them, going to be good for you and then go from there. So I'm not sure if there's a line so much as you create your own line based on what it is. And I think that line can move all the time. With the aspiring leadership aspect too, I know when I was a teacher, my assistant principal as my mentor, she gave me a lot of opportunities to really sink or swim. And I know yeah. that was extremely valuable for me and my development as a leader. And then now thinking where I'm at in my role, you know, I definitely delegate things to teachers to, to see if they can rise to the challenge and, and to get that experience. So I think what you said about that is, is spot on. Yeah, and I think given those opportunities too, like, Right now, today, you may not see anyone as the right fit or the right capacity or the right skills to do a specific task. But three months from now, someone might 
have grown in a way or taken on something else that led them there. So that's why I think that line, if we're talking about a line, is, is always moving and always adjustable. It's probably more of a wavy line than, than a straight one. Number two, if you're good to go. Yeah, let's do it. David Lurch, and he was on Twitter. All right, Dave. Mr. Lurch class, and his question is, what non-admin roles can teachers be put in as leaders at school? My gut reaction to that one is that teachers, any teacher in any role is has the opportunity to lead no matter what. And I know we talk, you know, you talk about a lot in a lot of different ways and, and, and often on your podcast about that, though, like anyone has the opportunity to be a, a leader. So I think there are endless non-admin roles that teachers can take on leadership roles. And there are only so many administration roles, right, that, that can be filled with titles and so on and so forth. But I think in any given day, your any of your staff, any of your, t- your teachers have an opportunity to be a leader, to guide someone else, to take on a project, to take on a you know, a challenge, whatever it might be. So uh, I think there are almost endless possibilities as far as roles. Yeah, I think if you're looking for a role that may not exist, mm-hmm. you need to make that role. I, mean, I know there were sure. opportunities where I saw a need and I filled that need and I didn't exactly have a specific title, but I still created the program that needed to be put in place to help kids. So definitely if you see something that needs to be addressed and you may not have that title, it doesn't mean that you can't lead in that capacity. And then just to be more specific, I think, you know, team lead or an instructional coach or counselor, all those type of roles are still leaders, but not an administrative role. So if you're looking for specifics, David, that's kind of where my mind went as far as titles. Yeah. And I was thinking, David, another another area might be, you know, specifics when you're talking about having, you know, teachers can step up and lead internal professional development, can lead internal projects. They can lead, like you said, team leads, right? Department chair leads, which in some districts are considered admin, some districts are not. So I think there's a lot of ways you can go there. But I love your, your comment, Joshua, about creating a role because maybe there's a role that needs to be there that, that doesn't exist right now and that's a, that's a good question yeah it was a good question all right moving on to number three from our good friend aj bianco yeah aj, AJ yeah. good friend of the podcast though and he's a great guy and um you can find him at aj bianco um on instagram and he actually sent two questions so the first one of his was how do you know if you're making an impact and not faking it till you make it how do you know if you're making an impact and not faking it till you make well first you should just stop faking it till you make it already because i don't think that works anymore no <laughs> if you're a connected educator, you're on like you're gonna get found out if you're faking it to make it. I think even if you're not connected and on the internet and stuff like that, just be in, in there. So I think that needs to be moved. You know, I think knowing what you have an impact. I mean, there's a lot of that depending on what you're talking about, what you're doing, AJ. Whether you're talking about an impact to the students, obviously there's data you can look at there. You can feel the atmosphere. Impact as as a leader and on your team. The, the easiest way to know that is to have conversations with your team, to assess the te- sort of the temperature of your team and, and how they're feeling. What's the general morale? Is it, is it feeling stronger or not? Are you having conversations? Are you accepting feedback? Are you listening? And then are you doing things that you feel then are generating impact? I mean, one of the easiest ways to tell is literally ask your team, like, am I having a positive impact on you? And hopefully you've built a relationship where they can tell you yes or no, and you can handle that and adjust based on that. So I think it depends on where you're looking for that impact. I'd like to know more about where he's actually asking for it there for me i'm thinking about when i became a dean of students and i did fake it because i had no clue what i was doing i understood the role but as far as like the student body and knowing the teachers and all i just came in with this assumption that i was gonna take on the world and be this amazing administrator and put on this persona of 
how great I am. Although I mm-hmm. fell straight on my face because the job was much greater and bigger of a role than I ever anticipated. And so I did not make an impact right away. It was something that I had to grow in and build relationships and that trust with my staff to finally get them to understand like, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to learn. I'm going to make mistakes. But in the end, yeah. it's going to be what's best for kids. And so um, that's that's kind of what I'm thinking of based on that question. So in that scenario, Josh, do you feel like the fact that you were sort of fake and putting on this persona has actually actually prevented you from making the impact that you wanted to have because you were not in the mindset of I'm going to learn every day and I'm going to grow when I don't know this and that's okay, but I'm going to learn it? Yeah. Because of how many opportunities I got at my campus previous, I thought I knew the role and I was just going to knock it out of the park. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it, going from a, a high affluent school to a Title I school, just that alone. Yeah. You know, I was very much not in the mindset of where I needed to be to, to take on the position. Sure. Yeah. It took a couple months to really get my feet under me because I really felt like I was knocked down and trying to figure out what was going on. So my development probably was not as congruent because I came in thinking I, I knew everything and I was going to do a great job. And um, mm-hmm. what really happened was it was a, a whole learning curve that needed to happen before I could make a, an immediate impact. Yeah, that makes sense. You have a second one? You said you have a second one? I do. AJ had two? He had two. He was rocking it tonight. He's overachiever. How do you overcome self-doubt as a leader? Stop worrying about what other people think. Very true. I, I had this conversation with someone a while back, and it, I, I never it never clicked with him, but he kept he was talking about self-doubt, and he was doing some things to try and get himself there. I explained to him that, that's, that your self-doubt comes from someone somewhere in your life, somewhere. And you may not ever think about it. You may not, it may take you forever to figure it out, but like somewhere, someone put that in you. You didn't have that naturally. Like that's someone else's negativity that got you. And then you're worrying about what other people think and how you're going to be judged before you even try to do things. And I think that's the, one of the hardest things to do, right, is to to do that because but but the the sort of this this theory of oh i i'm hard on myself i judge myself but the fact is you're judging yourself because you're actually worried about how other people are perceiving you at that time that's why you're hard on yourself that's not the same like you can hold yourself to high standards that's different uh, you can have high expectations of yourself and and strive for more but if you're beating yourself up in a negative way it's because someone else's negativity there or you're worried about someone else's negativity and that typically you can it can take some serious soul searching to go find that. But if you dig deep enough, you can figure out someone in your life, whether now or in the past, that that put that bug in you. And I'd love to say that then it's easy to bounce it out, but that's not how it works. But uh, it took me a long time. I still fight it all the time. But it's, it's the same reasons why we, we maybe second guess post in the blog right after we wrote it because we're we have to go back and change it 15 times because we're worried about you know what people are going to think like there's a there's a there's a, a strong misconception of per- perfectionism being perfectionism yeah. and all it really is is you're worried about what other people are going to say when you put it out tim kv our buddy tim kv has been talking you know he did uh, a post not too while back or a video about being shipped not perfect right yep. getting it done versus being perfect and because you need to get it out and i think that's also where sort of that fake it till you make it thing is you feel like you have to wear this this sort of uh, persona right around and you have to act like you know what you're doing because otherwise people are going to think that you don't deserve to be there or think this or think that or whatever. And all you're really doing is just, I mean, you're lying to yourself, not to yeah. sound too cliche, but so I think the easiest way to get over to self doubt is trying to is get very self-aware about where that's coming from. Mm-hmm. Don't pawn it off on I'm a perfectionist. Don't pawn it off on, Oh, I'm hard on myself, but figure out, are you actually harder on yourself or are you worried about something else? Are you worried about someone else? If you have self doubt, that's not being hard on yourself because you hold yourself to a high standard because you hold yourself to a high standard because you know you're good enough to hit it. 
and you wouldn't have that doubt at that time. So I, I think the, the key is to figure out where does that doubt coming from mm-hmm. and then work really hard to either get the, that source of that doubt out of your life and or fill your life with enough positivity and people that are going to support you regardless of your performance and, and be there for you and stuff to help you overcome that, that negativity that's in there that's caused that mm-hmm. doubt. So it's, I, it's a tough one. I'm not going to lie. And I would agree. I think self-doubt, especially like you said, it, I don't think it ever goes away, but the more success you have in your leadership journey, I think it, the mm-hmm. less self-doubt you have, um, especially like sure. you said with a blog post or a podcast or whatever that you're creating, you know, once you start getting that positive feedback, I think it's a lot easier to, to get rid of that self-doubt and be confident in your skills and, and what you have to put out there. The, the danger with that though, is if, the, if, if it's the positive feedback that gives you the confidence, then the negative feedback is going to rip it right back away. Yep. You have to get confidence in another way too, because mm-hmm. otherwise you're relying so much on the positive reinforcement. And therefore, if that's got the, the, the value, then the negative is going to have the same value. Sure. You've got to stay even keel where it's not too high, too low the entire time yep. and understand that you're there for a reason, not because someone else told you, but because you actually know that. That's harder to do if you know you're maybe not ready for it because <laughs> maybe you haven't had that experience. So that is that's harder to do and stuff, but it's yeah. it's important. I, I think the, the key to that is being excited about the fact that you have an opportunity to lead and accepting the fact that you might not do it well. You might not do it well at first. You might not do it well for a long time, yep. but be okay with that because at least you have the opportunity to do it and at least you're taking the shot. At least right. you're going for it. Be happy with the fact that you took that shot. You took the chance. You went for it even if you mess up. If you fall on your face. And I think if you're there, then the positive reinforcement or the negative, it's not going to affect you as much because you're already, you know, excited for the fact that you had the opportunity and you're excited for the fact that you took it and you're, and that's the important part, not necessarily the other piece. So it's, it's tough. You know, I, I, I've, I've pushed myself for a long time to my internal mantra is that if you're not, if you're not enough without success, then you're going to be enough with it. And, and and I take that with the, with your title, with your success, with your bank account, anything like that. Like if you're not enough without it, like it's only going to do so much. So that's a good question. Like you talk, we could talk hours on that. I no, think right. with people. So there's <laughs> so right. much into that. So let's go to our last question from our good friend and someone who's a part of the Teach Better Speaking Network, Hans Apple. Oh, Hans, yeah. He got one in right at the end. You can follow him on Twitter at Hans N. Apple. And his question is, how can leaders praise the rockstar educators without making other educators feel less than or jealous or left out? Build a culture where the praise is shared by all versus this competition between the two of them. I'd also find ways to praise all of them. Yep. But if you build the right culture where they understand that we're, you're all, we're all in this together, we're all trying to win, and when Joshua gets praised and it gets an award or whatever happens like that's good for our team because we're all trying to reach the same goal Yep. Um, and building that culture of that. I also would say also it's secondary to that is find ways to praise everyone, not just the, the superstars, but the ones that are making the growth, even if they're, and we talk about that with our students all the time is yep. don't just celebrate the ones that are doing amazing. Celebrate the ones that are showing growth. So even if your teachers are struggling, their scores aren't there, but they're showing growth because they're, you know, they're willing to, to sit with you on extra time. They're willing to, you know, to put in the effort to try and grow, but maybe they're not, you know, bringing in the data yet. Maybe they're not, you know, getting recognized. You got to show them that love too and celebrate. And I would say, you know, when you celebrate anyone, celebrate it as the team, not as that individual. I think it is a big piece of that. So you're still going to, you're going to have people that don't, that still aren't okay with it, that still take it personal, that still get offended, that still get angry. And at that point, you got to figure out whether that person 
is supposed to be on your team or not. And if they're going to be talking and bring things down and, and maybe you have to cut that out. So I think it's the culture. Yeah. And as an administrator, you're trying to build up everybody. So even yeah. if you're doing an evaluation, you're sitting down with a teacher, you're going to talk about the strengths and what, what they're doing well, because you, you want to build them up. You want to coach them. And mm-hmm. so, you know, if that is, like you said, the part of the culture, praise should be going around to every single person where absolutely everyone's feeling like a rock star. I mean, that's yeah. ultimately the goal is. You should be celebrating your teachers every time they walk through that door. Exactly. You know, they're about to be rock stars and, and change lives one way or another. So like, heck yeah. Yeah. And so, if you talk about, yeah. you know, like a PBIS with your students, I mean, it's all about positive language and, and trying to mm-hmm. get to that next level. So you can definitely use the same strategies for your teachers. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, it's amazing. This is sort of off topic, but this is talking about that positive language. It's incredible how well someone will receive a piece of negative, quote unquote, feedback, constructive criticism if you lead with positivity first. So you, you know, you, you go a positive, positive, then the, mm-hmm. the challenge or then the, the build because you've shown them that you've noticed what they're doing well and that you appreciate them. And now let's work on this together. It's a completely different reception. So, yeah. Well, and if yeah. they know you're there, not as a gotcha, but to build them up as a, as a person, as, mm-hmm. as a teacher, you know, or whatever the role is, yeah. I mean, that's going to go a long way too. Yeah. Agreed. That's another one we can go on for a long time for. Um, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So if you have any other questions for myself for like additional or future mailbox episodes, definitely shoot me a DM on Twitter or Instagram at Joshua double underscore stamper. And potentially we'll be doing this again, depending on <laughs> the reception of the listeners. And then Jeff, just before I let you go, I know there's a big announcement mm-hmm. team. So yes, what is that all about? We're announcing the the date and the location of the 2020 Teach Better Conference, which, so here you go, in case you missed the announcement, is going to be Friday, Saturday, October 2nd and 3rd in Akron, Ohio. And we are moving venues this year to the, the National Inventors Hall of Fame STEM school, which is part of Akron Public Schools. It's a beautiful school that is bigger and going to allow us to have a lot more opportunity to do a lot of cool, creative things within the conference. Uh, it's going to provide us a lot more room. A big piece for me was a lot more room for our the awesome sponsors and vendors that come out, more room for the podcast row that we set up. We're doing a bookstore for the author's corner. They've got some really cool stuff there. It's a beautiful school right downtown Akron. Uh, and we're going to try and do some work with the community partnership there in Akron and bring sort of bring the city into the the conference and it's going to be a blast. So about two weeks, we'll be announcing the keynote speakers and some of our, our core group of speakers and stuff as well. So everything's at teachbetterconference.com that you can register right now. And if you didn't get a chance to go last year, it was absolutely amazing. It was probably one of the, the best conferences I've ever been. And it was just the first Teach Better Conference. So definitely yeah. get online, get signed up for Teach Better 20. And then another announcement, we just found out that we're going to be speaking at Summer Spark in Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah. I love Summer Spark. You are a featured speaker. Yeah. I don't know what they, who messed that up, but somehow <laughs> that happened. So yeah, excited to go out there. We're rolling in pretty deep with the Teach Better uh, Speakers uh, Network and the team. And, and uh, it's going to be exciting. That's a fun, fun conference there. And just outside of Milwaukee, it's a, it's a great one to go to. So. Yeah. And I'll be speaking on that one too, talking about aspiring leadership and trauma-informed practices. So I'm pretty excited about that. So definitely if you're in the Wisconsin area or surrounding area, make sure that you check that out. Gargas, it's always great to talk with you. Thank you so much for being on the Aspire podcast on our first ever mailbag episode. Love it. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, man.